Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 165. We're in the book of Daniel. As a matter of fact, we're going to finish Daniel today, and we're going to start in chapter 10. The section title says, Vision of a Glorious One. In verse 1, In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel. A message uh, was true, or the message was true, and was about a great conflict. So first we see that this, uh, this time is fixed. Uh, in the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, the uh, Medo-Persian Empire came down and defeated the, the power of the day, the Babylonian Empire. And so now they are the top, uh, top dogs in the region. And so they took over then. And um, so this is that time frame. In verse 2 it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I didn't eat any rich food, no meat or wine entered my mouth, and I didn't put any oil on my body until the three weeks were over. And so Daniel was fasting for three weeks. And what was he fasting over? If you recall from yesterday's episode, uh, the condition of the people, um, and he was uh, repenting before God, and he was getting these disturbing uh, visions that he didn't understand. And so uh, I guess he wanted to gain more understanding, uh, wanted to improve the lot of his people. And so he was distraught, so he went on a, a fast for three weeks uh, with no meat, no wine, no rich food, um, and he didn't put any oil on his body. And in verse 5 it says, I looked up, and there was a man dressed in linen with a belt of gold of Euphaz around his waist. He, uh, his body was like burl, his face was like the brilliance um, of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And so he's describing an angelic being that he's seeing. <clears throat> this isn't God, I don't believe. It's, uh, it's, it could be an angel, one of his emissaries, I don't know. Uh, but it's an ange uh, angelic being. It says in verse 9, I heard the words... I heard the words he said, and when I heard them, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Angelic conflict is the next uh, title. It says, suddenly a hand touched me and set me shaking on my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Isn't that awesome? You know, you have this angelic being waking you up and saying, look, man, you are a person treasured of God. And I think a lot of us wonder, you know, whether or not we're doing God justice as we live our lives here on earth. If we're being uh, if we're being obedient, are we being rebellious? And here we have a man confirming uh, Daniel's righteousness. He says, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words that I am saying to you. Stand on your feet for I have now for I have now been sent to you. After he said this to me, I stood trembling. And so Daniel knew he was in the presence of a holy being, and so it frightened him, so he stood before him trembling. In verse 12, it says, in verse 12 it says, Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said to me, for from the first day that you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. And so the angelic being is telling Daniel, because you humbled yourself because you went into a state of fasting and mourning and because you have a purpose to deny yourself. And that's what the word also calls humbling yourself. You have put yourself in the state of humility before me because you have done this. You see, your prayers were heard and I have come because of that, because you had the right, you weren't just praying. You had the right attitude in your prayer. You see, 
It's not just it's not just doing something. It's doing something with the right attitude, the right motivation, the right uh, uh, sincerity. <clears throat> it says in verse thirteen, but. The prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. So when, when, when Daniel went on and initiated his three-week fast, uh, the Lord dispatched this angelic being, an angel, I guess, uh, in order to answer Daniel's prayer. But he was held up. See, he was held up in the heavenly realms. He was held up with the prince uh, of Persia was opposing him. So what does this tell, tell us? This tells us that there are conflicts in the heavenly realms that we don't see, we don't even know about. But there are conflicts going on up there, and in a lot of cases, my understanding is that the conflicts that we uh, uh, experience here on earth are a reflection of the conflicts that are going on in the heavens. And so uh, this, uh, this prince of Persia, or you know, a demon of Persia, if you will, um, uh, one who has spiritual authority over uh, Persia and, and their evilness is opposing this angelic being that's coming to see Daniel to give him his answer. It says, it opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. And so it says, Michael, Michael is an archangel. An archangel is one that has high rank in God's army of angels. And so Mike, uh, Michael was, I guess, dispatched in order to help this angel to overcome uh, the prince of Persia so that he could go to Daniel and deliver his answer. In verse 14, it says, now I have come to help you. And so it implies here that Michael came and we defeated this prince so that I could go. Then it says, now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days, for the vision refers to those days. And so this uh, uh, being is telling uh, Daniel, this is why I have come. You have been praying, so I'm going to come deliver to you some answers so that you will understand what will happen and, and, and what the meaning of your visions are. <clears throat> and so we drop down to verse 20. He says, he said, do you know why I've come to you? I must return at once to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I leave, the prince of Greece will come. So he's telling Daniel, look, there are battles. And I wonder if, if, if this is revelation to Daniel with regard to uh, understanding now that there are things going on in the heavens that he can't see that he had no idea about. And this angelic being is, is educating him on what's going on in the realms of places that he cannot see. That, that had to blow his mind. Then it says um, uh, he's got to go back to fight the kings of Persia, and then the prince of Greece is going to come. And it says in verse 21, however, I will tell you what is recorded in the book of truth. It says, no one has the courage to support me against those princes except Michael, your prince. And so... <clears throat> uh, I would take this to mean that the archangel Michael is the prince over God's people and his assistance is needed by this other angelic being in, in warring against the prince of Greece and the princes of the princes of Greece and the princes of Persia. Um, and so there must be some things going on up there uh, that were that were incredible. And so 
It says um, in verse 2 in chapter 11, it says, now I will tell you the truth. And so he goes on into detail of prophecies about Persia and Greece. And so there's a lot of symbolism used in here. Uh, I highly uh, suggest that you read through this. It goes on and talks about the kings of the south and the north. This would happen to be the south would be Egypt, the north would be Syria. And then it goes on to in, into detail about what will happen. And if you do a little search and a little research here, you know, outside of the Bible, it will start to you start to reveal uh, all of the intrigue and espionage and other things that are going on in this time that the word is describing what will happen. See, the word is describing what will happen and it actually happened. So again, we have a, a case where the Bible is um, authentic because these things were prophesied well before they took place. And so, uh, so again, it goes into detail with regard to the uh, the kings of the or the king of the north and the king of the south and how they get into a battle and and people are you know trying to create treaties, wives marrying, or people, women uh, marrying uh, from the South, marrying the king of the North, and then uh, the ex-queen killing the new queen, and I mean, all kind of stuff going on. And so um, it says uh, in verse 28, the king of the North will return to his land with great wealth, but his heart will be set against the holy covenant. He will take action, then return to his own land. So the king of the North, the king of Syria, um, will return to his, uh, his land with great wealth, but he won't be satisfied because his heart will be against the people of God is what it's saying. And so as we go on, now in verse 36, uh, this is where things can get a little bit confusing, right? Because what's happening here is uh, some things are playing out at that time, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but there's a parallel here because it's also referring to things that are yet to come in the future. And so, you know, where one starts and the other leaves off and whatnot, I'm not exactly sure. But I'm just going to get into this and, and, uh, and try to do my best to reveal what I believe this is saying. And so it says in verse 36, then, uh, then the king will do whatever he wants. He will exalt and magnify himself above every God and will say outrageous things against the God of gods. Now, this could be the king of the north. But this could also be referring to the Antichrist that is yet to come or both. You know, then it says he will be successful until the time of wrath is complete. I don't know when that is. I don't know if that already took place. I don't know if that's yet to come. I don't know. It says because what has been decreed will be accomplished. He will not show regard regard for the gods of his ancestors, the God desired by women or for any other God, because um, he will magnify himself above all. And so he will think of himself as a God, that he is God, and therefore he will discredit and ignore all other gods. He says in verse 41, he will also invade the beautiful land, which is what Israel is referred to in here, and many will fall. But these will escape from his power, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of the Ammonites. He will extend his power against the countries, and not even the land of Egypt will escape. And so again, is this referring to back then or sometime in the future or both? Not sure. In verse 44, 
But reports from the east and the north will terrify him, and he will go out with great fury and annihilate and completely destroy many. He will, uh, he will pitch his royal tents between the sea and the beautiful holy mountain, but he will meet his end with no one to help him. Now, I'm almost 100% certain this is referring to the Antichrist. And what will happen, he will pitch himself somewhere in the Middle East, somewhere in the territory of Israel, thereabouts, proclaiming himself basically to be king of the world, but he will meet his end. Then it says in verse 12, At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people, will rise up. There will be a time of distress such as never, uh, such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time. And so the word is saying there's going to be a time of oppression such as never been seen before, not since nations, nations came into being. You know, this is referring to the tribulation times in the future. And so there's a time coming that's going to be awful. Then it says, but at that time, your people who are found written in the book will escape. So I think this is this is saying that at that time, you know, uh, those who have uh, confessed Jesus, those who believe in the Lord will escape um, from the troubles. I think that's what that means. Now, we have two classes of people here, right? So we have the Israelites and then we have the Gentiles, the non-Israelites who are believers in God. You know, and so is this referring to both camps? Uh, or, 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 or only uh, those Israelites who have confessed Jesus? I don't know. I, I just don't know. Then it says in verse 2, Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. And so this is referring to people rising from the dead. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life, and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. <laughs> so those believers who have died will awaken to eternal life, but those people who have died, who have not believed in the Lord, will awaken to eternal contempt or damnation to hell. Then it says in verse 3, those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So it says that, that, that those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens. And so those who believe in the Lord, those who have a revelation of God in those troubled times will shine like the bright skies of heaven. And those who lead many to Jesus, those who lead many to the confession in Christ as Lord, it says that they will shine like stars forever and ever. Wow. Then it says in verse 4, But you, Daniel... Keep these words secret and seal the book until the time of the end. And so, obviously, this isn't secret, right? Because we're reading it. It's public. We, we, we know this. I think that means that's a phrase that means you, Daniel, protect this word. Make sure that this word exists, you know, for future generations to partake of. When it says seal the book until the time, meaning seal that book, make sure it's available. Make sure it doesn't get lost. Make sure it doesn't get become unrecoverable. Make sure that people in the future have access to it. 
And then it says, uh, because he's the one that's being delivered the revelation. Now, we'll find out in the New Testament that John also, in the book of Revelation, is being delivered revelation, and much of it is confirming what Daniel here is, uh, is experiencing. Then it says in verse 5, Then I, Daniel, uh, looked, and two others were standing there, one on this bank of the river and one on the other. One of them said to the man dressed in linen, uh, who was above the water of the river, how long until the end of these wondrous things? And so these two people are standing there asking the man in linen. Some have surmised that this may be Elijah or, or some, I don't know who they are. Then it says in verse 7, Then I heard a man dressed in linen who was above the water of the river. He raised both his hands towards the heaven and swore by him who lives eternally. He raised both hands and swore by God. Um, that there would be, uh, yeah, that that there that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. So one of the men, one of the men asked him, "How long will this be?" And uh, the angelic being said, "For time, times, and half a time." And so, uh, commentary says that's about three and a half years. And so I, I don't know, you know. <clears throat> then it says, "When the power of the holy people is shattered." All these things will be completed. That doesn't sound pleasant at all. This is when the power of the holy people is shattered. All these things will be completed. Now, who are the holy people? Are the holy people, again, the Israelites? Are the holy people only the Israelites who have confessed Jesus? Are the holy people the Gentiles who have confessed Jesus? Are the holy people both the Israelites and the Gentiles who have confessed Jesus? I don't know, but it says that when the power of the holy people is shattered, that implies that when their, when their power is gone. Now, what I believe this, I think this may be saying is that when the power of the holy people is shattered, throughout the whole Old Testament, we've been reading uh, uh, the main enemy of God's people is pride. That has been the main enemy, pride. You know, and so as we go as we go through this, we see that pride has a thing that people um, have been struggling with through the Old Testament, and God is constantly hammering His people with regard to this issue. So maybe this means that when the holy people's pride is finally shattered, finally never to arise again, all these things will be completed. In verse eight, it says, "I heard but did not understand, so I asked." My Lord, what will be the outcome of these things? He said, go on your way, Daniel, for the words are secret and sealed until the time of the end. See, and so he says, so Daniel is like, you know, uh, he wants to know the outcome. What is, what's the result going to be? But he gets told, look, Daniel, go on your way. Go on your way. Okay. The words are secret and sealed until the end of time. In other words, it's not your business. It's not your concern. Just go about your business. Then in verse 10, uh, 10 it says, it will, uh, Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly. None of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Then it says in verse 11, From the time uh, the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Happy is the one who waits for the and, and reaches 1,335 days. I don't know what this means, <laughs> okay? I know this is a three-and-a-half-year period. That, that much I do know. And so, and then in verse 13 it says, But as for you, 
Go on your way to the end. In other words, he's saying, Daniel, ask for you. Go on your way. Live your life until you die. It says you will rest and then you will rise. It says, you know, the word is saying you will die, Daniel, but then you will be risen. You're not going to stay asleep forever. It says you will rest and then you will will rise to receive your allotment, inheritance at the end of days. Yes, let me read that again. It says you will rest and then you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance at the end of the days. And so Daniel is being delivered what I would consider to be tremendous hope. He's saying, look, just go ahead and live your life. You are favored of God. You have done well. Go ahead and live your life. You will die, but you won't stay dead because you will rise and you will receive your allotted inheritance after you have arisen. Oh, man, would I love to hear that. That is awesome. Absolutely awesome. I just can't think of anything that I would desire to audibly hear from an authoritative God representative and some angelic being saying, Michael, well done, good and faithful servant. You will go on to rest, but you will arise and you will receive your allotted inheritance. Mm. But this I know, you can't do that unless you accept Jesus as your Lord. (laughs) It's not going to happen. You know, it's just not going to happen. And so let's go on to Romans chapter 10. It says, the message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. In verse 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say you might be saved. It says you will be saved. Verse 10, one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him to receive who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Absolutely will be saved. If you haven't done so confess Jesus, I believe in my heart with everything in me. My belief is sincere and I confess with my mouth that you Lord Jesus, our Lord, that you in fact are the Son of God who descended from heaven, who lived on earth, died on the cross, so that man might choose the opportunity to be saved. I believe this with everything in me, Lord. The Word says that if you do that sincerely, that you will be saved. And if the Word says it, I believe it. With that, everybody take care. Have a glorious day. Stay safe. Bye-bye now.